0: I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist, Heather Knight, and you're listening to 5th and Mission. You probably reached this podcast through your cell phone. You're probably doing just about everything these days on your cell phone or laptop. From social media, to texting friends, to FaceTime, to scanning news sites, to working and even going to school, the COVID-19 pandemic has made us more attached to screens than ever. A Stanford professor studies screen use and says there's good and bad parts about our screen obsession. Chronicle reporter Sam Whiting interviewed the professor and breaks it down now. Sam Whiting,
1: welcome to the podcast. Hi, Heather. Nice to hear from you again.
0: Nice to hear from you as well. Um, so the Chronicle has a really great new series called The Throughline Project, and for listeners who haven't discovered this yet, can you describe what it is?
1: Uh, Throughline is a topic-specific weekly Sunday section that endeavors to predict and examine what life in the Bay Area will look like after the lockdown, but probably before any vaccine. And we also em- endeavor to improve life in the Bay Area through the through line section.
0: Well, it's really fascinating. And um, this week weekend's uh, project is all about technology and um, and what, uh, what may change about the way we use tech um, in the coming months and years. And you have a really interesting story about screen time. I know everybody is on their cell phones like 24-7 these days. And it turns out that there's a professor of Stanford whose whole career centers around studying screen use. So I was wondering if you can tell me about him and his project. Uh,
1: his name is uh, Byron Reeves, and he is a professor of communication. And I only kind of stumbled upon him uh, without knowing that he runs something called the Screenology Lab at Stanford. And they are pursuing something called the Human Screenome Project.
0: Wow, that is so Bay Area. So what is the Human Screenome Project?
1: Human Screenome Project, they've uh, put tracking devices Onto hundreds of cell phones out in the world, they pay people for the data. The uh, the cell phones send all their information to the lab, and it gets put up on big screens. And then professors and graduate student sco- students analyze what it all means.
0: Wow, I would not want to be sending my um, screen grabs to. <laughs> to a well, lab. You know, it's, that sounds so uh,
1: strange. He was careful to tell me that it is, security is very tight. Yeah. Uh, and they, everybody who works there has to go through a deep uh, screening process.
0: So to speak. Okay. Right. And <laughs> you visited the lab, didn't you?
1: I did not visit the lab oh, okay. because the lab is closed. Oh. The lab is closed, Heather. They, Got it. They, uh,
0: so it's all remote work for them as well. It's all
1: remote work at this point. I think one or two people have access to get in there and make sure everything is running right. And that's about it. But the professor is not one of them. He does not go to the lab.
0: Oh, interesting. So um, you have a really interesting interview with him up on sfchronicle.com. And he talks a lot about screen use being already up during the pandemic, of course. But now it's just crazy amounts of screen time for people working from home. Kids are about to go back to school via screens. Um, it's just screen, screen, screens. And I wondered what he... Um, had to say about that, about our screen use during the pandemic, whether it's good, bad. How did he describe what's going on?
1: Well, I went into it. Uh, I had noticed what got me going on this is uh, I was noticing that at the end of the week, it says on your phone, your screen time was two hours, this week was two hours and 35 minutes up or down from last week. Yeah. And I was wondering, hmm, are they trying to tell us to, to use more screen time or less? And I posed that question to Professor Reeves, and he said he's not worried about the time people are on their screens. He's worried about the fragmentation of their time on the screens.
0: Right. I actually turned that notification off because it made me feel so bad about my that my screen use go. was going up every week. <laughs> I didn't limit my screen time. I just turned off the, the notification. Um, so yeah, tell me about the fragmentation and what he means by that.
1: Uh, his uh, data suggests that, in the course of a day, people uh, open a separate conversation of some kind on their screen three hundred times. Wow! On average, so if it if it flashes every five seconds, it's a different. It's usually a different screen every five seconds.
0: That he's getting at the lab. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So it's taking everybody's attention span and whittling it way down.
0: Right. I think you had in your story that people are looking at any given screen or something on their phone for 10 to 15 seconds before going to another site. So it might be they're texting a friend and then they look at Facebook and then they look at the news and then they look at Twitter. And that's all happening in less than a minute.
1: Don't forget pornography. <laughs> I was surprised to hear that given that these people I was surprised to hear that given that these people know that their phones are being monitored by a major I know. university.
0: Wow. <laughs> um. And so what did he have to say about all these Zoom meetings and virtual events and everything that's happening online now and how that is affecting our interpersonal relationships?
1: He was not as worried about that as I am. He thought that uh, the screen meetings are closer to what we aspire to with uh, interpersonal connections than they are different. So Hmm. he doesn't really think that's a big deal. He thinks that people actually are displaying kind, some kind of human emotion and connection through their screens.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he didn't think that that is damaging our relationships?
1: He, well, he he doesn't know for, sur- for sure because we're not out of this, but he did not see that as uh, turning us all into social misfits.
0: Okay, that's good. And what does he think will change permanently when it comes to post-COVID life and screens? And what does he think will go back to so-called normal? Did he break that down for you?
1: He does not think it is going to turn around after COVID. He does not think people are going to suddenly start using their screens less. He just sees it as it's just going to keep going. And the fragmentation, if anything, is going to get worse and even when we go back to our normal social interactions, there won't be as much of it. He for sure thinks that the old 40-hour work week at an office is over for good.
0: Wow. Does he think that there will be some kind of hybrid approach, like people will go into their offices sometimes and work from home sometimes? Or
1: Yeah, I think whatever they work out. But, uh, you know, it's not going to be I got to be at work at nine, that type of thing.
0: Yeah, well, that's so. Good.
1: What he basically sees, and I think we all feel this happening, is that all forms of our lives are commingling. Yeah, right. we not. We don't differentiate anymore between work and our own personal time. We don't differentiate between screen time and work time.
0: We'll be right back after a short break. You can support 5th In Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com/pod. I'm Heather Knight and I'm back with Chronicle reporter Sam Whiting. So back to the fragmentation idea, um, what did he have to say about the way that's affecting our ability to process information and think deeply about things? I've heard from a lot of friends that they're maybe because of all of the you know, doom and gloom in the world right now, but they're having a harder time than ever concentrating on, like, say, reading an entire book or doing something that takes, you know, concentration and hours of time.
1: Well, as he put it, Heather, and I hesitate to mention this, nobody's even going to read my interview all the way to the (laughs) end. I did see that. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't think that anybody can have a deep thought or deeply focus on... Anything without uh, major discipline, and the the most obvious arena is of this is in political thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody's thinking deeply about their stand on issues.
0: Yeah, it's just reading like blasts on social media and tweeting them or sharing them on Facebook. Without and, and
1: the, yes, and the thing that worries them the most is that. People now don't differentiate from what friends say as opposed to what a candidate says or what uh, analysis says. It's all going through the same filter. You know, they might uh, – it depends on what other people say. Mm-hmm. And that that's uh, kind of a new development in political life here.
0: I hear from a lot of people that they just read the headlines now, and so they base their entire viewpoint on a particular story or policy issue by just what the headline said.
1: That could be true. I think they might go further than that, but they're not going to go further than probably 10 seconds into that, yeah, uh, or whatever the case may be.
0: Right. I have some readers who, well, uh, you know, I always share my columns on Twitter, and then some readers will base their entire viewpoint of the column on just what my tweet said describing it, and I'm like, you could actually click it and read it.
1: Right, right. That, that's that extra effort. You always have to think <laughs> of extra effort now in terms of everything.
0: Yes. And what did he have to say about the way social media will influence our November presidential election? Of course, there's so much talk about President Trump and his tweets, which are often not accurate and whether they should be removed. Facebook has just removed a post of his for the first time ever. How does he think that that will influence the way
1: people vote? Uh, I got the impression he thinks that the last thing, the last inflammatory statement or tweet or Facebook posting you see will be the thing that influences you the most when you cast your ballot or go to the polls or send in your mail-in ballot or whatever. It's all very emotional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's how you feel. It's what your friends think. It's how mad you are, etc.
0: Right. So it sounds like on the plus side, screen time is keeping us connected with each other. But on the downside, it's making us dumber. <laughs> is that a fair uh, assessment? That's a good way. That's a very
1: good way to sum it up, Heather.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I will let you get back to your screen.
1: Okay, nice talking to you, Heather. <laughs> Take care. See you. Bye.
0: Thank you to Sam Whiting for joining me today, to Teia Francesca Price for producing this episode, and to you for listening.